Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abysmo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vabysmo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O-H-C-P.com. Welcome to New Retina Radio Journal Club with VBS. My name is Catherine Talcott, and I practice at Cole Institute in uh, Cleveland Clinic. And I'm joined today by Kyle Kovacs from Cornell in, in New York City. Hi there. Great to be here. And, and Rebecca Suarez from Ophthalmic Consultants of Boston. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining. I'm really excited. Today, we're going to be discussing a paper entitled Outcomes and Complications of Vitrectomy for Tractional Retinal Detachment in People with Diabetes by Philip McCullough et al. It was published in print in JAM Ophthalmology in February of this uh, year. And Rebecca, do you mind summarizing the paper for us? Yeah, happy to. Uh, so this was a systematic review and meta-analysis of Medline and Embase databases. Um, it covered a 22-year period from 2000 to 2022. And among the studies included were those that were published in English, um, those that examined parts plane of vitrectomy for diabetic TRD specifically. So it excluded any TRDs that were not related to diabetes and also uh, diabetic complications like vitreous hemorrhage without TRDs. It included studies with at least 25 eyes and had a minimum of a minimum follow-up of three months. The two main outcome measures that they determined were the rate of failed retinal reattachment following a single surgery and final visual acuity. In terms of the findings, they included 38 of the 406 studies, um, and this meant that they included 3,800 eyes. The median age was about 52 years old, and 50% were women. Overall, the, the failure rate, so failed reattachment rate after one surgery, was 6%, with a mean final visual acuity with 0.94 logmar. So that is about 2180 in Snell and visual acuity. So they ended up finding that patients with a higher preoperative visual acuity had better postoperative visual acuity, and that was significant. But when they looked at other characteristics or surgical variables, and they looked at the uh, mean outcome measures like final visual acuity and failure rate, they found that really nothing else was significant. So in univariable analysis, they found that preoperative vitreous hemorrhage and phagic status increased the risk of failure, and use of preoperative and intraoperative anti-VEGF and use of small gauge instruments reduced the risk of failure, as you would expect. But these associations sort of fell away on multivariable analysis. So in conclusion, they found that pars plane of vitrectomy is effective for diabetic tractional retinal detachment with a single surgery success rate of 94%. And they also found that preoperative visual acuity predicts postoperative visual acuity, as you would expect. They also suggest that poor final visual acuity ultimately suggests that patients should be informed of poor prognosis for diabetic tractional retinal detachments and prepared accordingly. Thank you for that excellent summary of this interesting paper. Um, we're going to get into a more in-depth conversation about the paper after the break, but Kyle, any sort of quick thoughts about the paper? 
Yeah, I, I find that it's so difficult to make sense of surgical outcome data in general from any sort of study because our patients can be so variable, surgeon preferences, techniques can be really variable. Even in this study, it's over 22 years, so practices and technical things change considerably. So I really applaud them. I'm really excited to see some sort of attempt to get really definitive data by pulling all of these other studies together. So I love it. Even when the outcome is stuff that we already know off the top of our heads that these patients, that we and our patients want them to do better after these surgeries and they just don't seem to do as great. And we think that anti-VEGF helps even though the data behind that again sort of peels away as we do higher multivariate analysis. So I think it, it shows a really valiant attempt to try to wrangle this monster of how we make sense of surgical outcomes, even if it still remains a monster in the meta-analysis. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think that, um, you know, surgeries, especially diabetic TRDs can be really complex. And so we're always looking towards the literature to help sort of guide us. And so we wanna have those answers, but, I agree with you. It's it's a challenging sort of topic to cover, especially diabetic TRDs, which are which is a very heterogeneous problem to sort of take care of. Rebecca, any thoughts about um, about Kyle's comments about um, how the authors uh, attack this surgical problem? Yeah, I think that's a, a wonderful analysis on on both of your parts. I think. What's interesting about the way they designed the study is um, that they excluded any other price plane of atrectomies for any other surgical problems, um, but tractional retinal detachments. And so that really helped them focus down on, on truly, you know, what the what the really valid associations were. At the same time, that's a, a limitation of the paper as well, because every tractional retinal detachment is so different, as I'm sure we all know. And even, you know, if you if you have the same patient with the same age and the same tractional retinal detachment, the outcome is different, you know, every single time you do an operation. So um, I think by excluding some of those parts plane of vitrectomies for non-clearing vitreous hemorrhage, um, you're also missing some of the, the improved visual prognosis that you might achieve um, in a different meta-analysis. Yeah, I think those are really valuable points. All right, uh, we're going to take a break, um, but we're going to talk more about this paper after the break. Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abysmo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vibysmo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O-H-C-P.com. Welcome back to the new Retina Radio Journal Club with VBS. Let's get into a longer conversation about the paper that Dr. Swore summarized in the first part of this episode. One of the things that I think I was really struck by by looking over this paper that the single surgery success rate for diabetic TRDs was found to be so high, it was found to be 94%, which is higher actually than most large studies have looked at for regmatogenous RDs. And so I was wondering, from you guys, why did you think that was? And do you think that actually reflects the diabetic TRDs that sort of we take care of on a regular basis? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, I think one of the things that you can possibly attribute it to is, um, you know, in, in regmatogenous detachments, you do have the um, 
proliferative vitro-retinopathy rate, you know, that is detracting from your single surgery success. But the other thing I was wondering about in this paper is what they actually defined as success. And some really terrible diabetic tractional retinal detachments, you just leave the oil in and the retina is not necessarily fully attached. And so there's so much variability between tractional detachment and tractional detachment. It makes me curious as to if you really only took the eyes that had their oil taken out at the very end, um, how many would actually still be attached? So it's it's an interesting grouping, and maybe that is sort of artificially inflating um, their success rate. This is not real world that we may experience in our practice. That this is a pooled analysis of studies that are published, and you know, published studies reflect you know something that is worthy of being shown to the rest of the world, as opposed <laughs> to our failures. So this is not necessarily something that reflects what we, you know, rates that we might see on a, on a real day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, I applaud the authors for um, trying to include as many studies as possible, but sort of inherently by doing a meta-analysis, um, you know, it's only gonna include certain types of cases that people don't mind being shown or sort of large series um, as well. So I think those are, sort of really good points. I think the other thing that um, you know I was cognizant of as I was reading the paper is a lot of these studies didn't really look at complications either. So unfortunately the paper couldn't really assess what the complications of these cases are, which I know myself as a surgeon, and I'm sure you guys do too, think of really heavily when we think of especially diabetic TRDs with sick patients and what are sort of the anesthesia risks and the surgical risks um, associated with, with taking these people to the OR. Definitely. I would have loved, even if they couldn't pull the analyses from all of the papers, I would have loved just a, you know, a little excerpt on these are the different types of complications and, you know, the, the very low rates, but I don't know if maybe that falls with, you know, outside of the meta-analysis criteria. Well, I think it's fair game if the meta-analysis, um, you know, conclusion that they're coming to is that they're advocating for earlier surgery at the end of it, that we, we, this is part of the, the discussion of when we should be intervening on these patients. So if you're going to argue that the intervention should be earlier based on this, then I think it warrants uh, acknowledging what the complications and the risks are. And as Kat said, really not just the eye risk, but these are sick patients for whom mm -hmm. the stress of surgery can be substantial and a real risk to them. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good point, Kyle. I mean, I think that we've all, you know, heard these horror stories. Um, you know, fortunately, I haven't experienced this on my own, but, you know, I feel like different places that I practice, you always hear about cases where, you know, there's a diabetic patient who's taken to the OR, and unfortunately, they have a complication from anesthesia. And, you know, sometimes these patients can end up coding. And, and we, I mean, I would never want that responsibility you know, especially if I'm taking someone to the OR who I know already has poor vision and um, sort of weighing those risks and benefits is really difficult. But I really like the point that you brought up, Kyle, about the conclusions that the authors came to um, that they recommended um, that we should consider taking to these patients to the OR earlier rather than later. And I, I think that's, I think that's a hard conclusion to come to. Um, mm -hmm. I think that myself over time. Um, you know, I, I really try not to take people with good vision often in these settings to the OR because these cases can get complicated and their vision can end up worse afterwards. And I feel like when I discuss risks and benefits with, um, uh, for surgery with these patients, I actually, I think probably overinflate the, the risk of complication because 
the, because the complications can be very devastating for them. I don't know if you guys sort of counsel or sort of approach patients similarly, or if you're more in line with what sort of the author suggested. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think that it was a little bit of an overstatement that earlier surgery is better. Um, and I think actually the, the more important, the more salient point from the paper is that the final Snell and visual acuity was 2180, which is pretty not great. Um, and I think that is ultimately the one-liner that I would give a patient based on this paper is, listen, you know, we can try to reattach your retina. We may have success, but ultimately your vision is, is going to be poor. And I think they brought up some good points at the end of the discussion, which is, you know, they think, you know, possibly this is related to macular ischemia. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, the diabetic complications itself rather than the surgery, but still, I think all patients need to be very aware of this is not a slam dunk. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to this. I feel like as a fellow, you're all eager to go get into every eye possible and peel membranes. And as soon as you become an attending, you realize that you're left with the repercussions of every single stroke of peeling and thus, you know, the damage therein. The only other point I would raise about that, um, argument for early intervention is that the study also wasn't looking at, you know, watching patients over time, right? And seeing it when they progress and when the vision got worse and waiting too long, this is a meta-analysis. So we have no idea when the decision was made to, to perform surgery. And I don't know about you guys, but my diabetics walk into my door already with poor vision and TRDs that are advanced. It's usually not the case that we've been sitting and watching and watching and it's been progressing and they've been getting worse vision. And it's a matter of access to care. And these are, you know, as we all know, the sickest patients who aren't coming in and being seen often enough. So usually they present with poor vision and have poor vision at the end. Yeah, I think that's definitely really true. You know, if anyone comes into my office with sort of advanced PDR, but not really tractional retinal detachments yet, you know, I'm doing everything I can to get them to get laser, um, to get them stabilized so we don't get to this point. And it's it's more typical that the patients who I end up taking to the OR, you know, they come in and they have advanced TRDs or they have like dense VH and the B scan shows that there's sort of, you know, a tractional component as well. And, you know, injections haven't helped. I mean, I, I think I totally agree with you. It's it's rare that we see someone start off as 2020 and we watch them sort of get worse without deciding to intervene. So um yeah, I think that that conclusion is just, um, I don't think it's, I think it's overstating um, the findings from the paper. I think ultimately this paper really highlighted for me the, the difficulty of doing a meta-analysis about a surgical problem, um, mm -hmm. just because surgical problems are so variable. Um, but I also think, I, you know, I really commend them for a valiant um, effort and a really, really strong paper for as much as we know about TRDs in the literature. I mean, I think this is probably the most comprehensive, you know, knowledge base that we have right now about how TRDs um, are developed and how we do surgery on them. But it also speaks to the truth that we really need to do more studies as hard as they are um, to really elaborate and elucidate on, on current trends in, in TRD management. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, I feel like every time we have an educational conference, um, you know, and we're debating different surgical like techniques or way to approach it, like one of our fellows always asks, you know, well, isn't there a study looking at that? And unfortunately, there's just not great studies. So 
I think it's great that this meta-analysis was done. I think it just um, unfortunately shows it's a really heterogeneous problem. It's hard to, to sort of get good answers, but I definitely um, applaud the authors for really trying to take a really systematic look to see if they could find anything. Well, I wanna thank you guys so much for your discussion points on this paper. I thought it was really interesting and really helpful to hear your opinions as you know, retina surgeons. I also wanna thank the audience for listening to New Retina Radio Journal Club with BBS and please stay tuned for further episodes. Thank you.